What's up, everybody? So we are at a point where the remnant of Israel, which is all the believing Jews, those who have put their faith in the Messiah, have escaped into the wilderness to a place called Petra. So all that is left for, you know, the Antichrist to get to is the Gentile believers, the Jews who hold to the Mosaic law, keeping God's commands. Therefore, you know, with that, they oppose the dragon, but have not become believers in the Messiah yet. And of course, those who are non-believers and will ultimately end up following the dragon, that's all that's left. So God is a, is a covenant God and therefore must keep his promise that he made long ago, stating that he would always preserve a remnant of believing Jews. Only this remnant of believing uh, Jews will be afforded the protection at Petra. All others will have to face the wrath of the dragon and many will die. But for those who are saved, it is a welcomed thing because they are promised reward in heaven. So today we move into chapter 13 where John will now describe the beast of the sea and the beast of the earth. This is this episode will focus on the beast of the sea, and Monday we will pick up with the beast of the earth. As John begins what we know as chapter 13, the scene cuts away to another storyline that will explain what we read in chapter 11 about the beast who kills the, the two witnesses. So now we will see that what takes place in chapter 13, talking about the rise of the beast, actually happens prior to the, the two witnesses being killed. You know, like I said before, what we cover in chapters 10 through 15 happens at the midpoint of the tribulation period, you know, and it comes right at the midpoint in this time, this seven-year timeline. These events are overlapping and happening, you know, basically simultaneously. So you will see the story cut away from one storyline and pick up with another storyline, which is happening at the same time. Uh, one scene, of course, giving support to the other. Let's jump in and discover more about this beast of the sea. Revelation 13, 1 and 2 says, The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads, with ten crowns on its horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear, and a mouth like that of a lion. Okay, let's pause here. Right out of the gate, let's understand the reference to the beast coming out of the sea. This is symbolic and not literal, and we know that because Daniel chapter 7, which we have already covered uh, previously, makes that clear. Daniel 7, verse 2 and 3, uh, Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea, four great beasts each different from the others, came up out of the sea. So here Daniel makes it clear for us because due to our previous study regarding Daniel's vision, along with Daniel uh, 7, 17 specifically stating very clearly that the four beasts represent four kings. And history itself sheds light on that fact. We know that the four beasts refer to the four Gentile empires uh, starting with the Babylonian Empire and ending with the Empire of the Antichrist, uh, which a lot of people refer to as the Revised Roman Empire, that will subjugate the nation of Israel and trample the holy city until the return of Christ. So when we talked about Daniel and the four beasts, and he talked about the age of the Gentiles and the four empires that would 
that would subjugate the the nation of Israel and trample it until Christ returned. This is here it's mentioning it again. So, you know, what we learn from Daniel's vision is that a beast or beasts rising out of the sea symbolizes the rise of four Gentile nations or rulers, you know, or in this case, uh, a Gentile ruler that will subjugate the unsaved Jewish people and all that remain and will defile and trample the holy city of Jerusalem until Christ's return. So we know that the symbolism of a beast rising out of the sea is symbolic of a Jewish empire or a, I'm sorry, not Jewish, but a Gentile empire or a Gentile ruler. That's, that's what it's uh, signifying. So, okay. We know that the beast coming out of the sea is symbolic representation of a Gentile ruler that rises to power with the help of the dragon or Satan. We also know that the fourth beast in Daniel's vision comes to represent the revived Roman empire or the empire of the Antichrist that will ultimately establish dominion and rule over every nation, tribe, and tongue. The interpretation of Daniel's vision shows us that the ten horns on the fourth beast represent the ten kings or kingdoms that will rule or govern during the first half of the tribulation period. But Daniel says that there were there was an eleventh horn that came up, and as he watched, this horn was waging war uh, against the holy people and defeating them until the Ancient of Days came. What did we learn at the end of chapter uh, 12, Revelation chapter 12, uh, in our previous episode? Chapter 12, 17 says that, Then the dragon was enraged at the woman, which we know as Israel, and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. So those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus, that is who Daniel was referring to as the holy people, so we can see the connection now. If you haven't read Daniel chapter 7, please do so. It sheds a lot of light on what we are covering. Okay, moving on. John begins describing this beast that comes out of the sea. He says it has ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on its horns. Thanks to Daniel, we at least know that this uh, is describing rulers and kingdoms, possibly forms of government. We also know that there will be 10 rulers that will unite and govern the world like a confederacy or something of that nature, something similar. So these 10, these 10 kings or governors will come out of the, the fourth Gentile empire that Daniel sees, that fourth beast, which again we know as the revised Roman empire. So these 10 governors or rulers uh, come together and they have equal power, okay? So... They're a body of rulers that have, you know, territories basically or states or areas with, uh, throughout the world that they owe, they govern those those ten kingdoms, so to speak, those ten areas, and they all have equal power. So none of them have assumed a role that gives them like the power of a king, so to speak. They don't have that kind of power yet, but. The Antichrist that Daniel describes as being the small horn that rises up and uproots three of the ten horns and subdues them indicates that he starts out with no real power. Talking about the Antichrist, he starts out with no real power among the other ten uh, horns or the other ten um, rulers. You know, but he grows stronger and eventually subdues three of the ten and consolidates their power all unto himself, making him more powerful than the other seven. So just as Daniel saw in his vision, 
Now, they all have dominion over one territory, but he now has dominion over three. What John sees in chapter 13 is a beast with seven heads and ten horns, with crowns on the horns, not the heads, which is different from Daniel's vision, that part is. Revelation chapter 17 will shed a lot more light and details on what the seven heads and ten horns represent, so I will hold off until then with all those details. Suffice it to say that the kings and kingdoms represented by the seven heads and the ten horns will all surrender their authority uh, and power to the beast or Antichrist, and he will rule supreme over all the nations of the world. Then all of those uh, kings who serve and govern under uh, the Antichrist will will join with him and wage war on anyone who is aligned with God. With that said, you will have to wait until we get to chapter 17 for the rest of the details on uh, the seven heads and the ten horns that are described on the beast. Now, moving on, John says that there were blasphemous names on their heads, and it is unclear what those names are, only that they speak against God and his ways. They could uh, be names of cities that worshipped idols or blasphemed the name of God throughout history, or you know, they could be names that represent things like idolatry and covetousness, you know, sexual immorality, whatever. Um, the fact is, is that we don't know for sure, so we will leave it at that. Now, John goes on to describe the beast further. Verse 2, the beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. This description is insightful about the nature of, of this beast, and Daniel reminds us of what those things represent. The first beast that Daniel sees in his vision was described as a lion, and we know that was the Babylonians, the first empire that, that dominated over Israel. So the Babylonians were represented by a lion. The second beast that Daniel sees is described as a bear, which we know is the Medo-Persian empire. And the third beast that Daniel sees is described as a leopard, and we know that that was the Greek empire. The fourth beast, of course, being the final empire that the Antichrist will rule. So what John is describing is that the this beast or ruler is the culmination of the other three empires in, in history of the Gentile age. It, it's, it is the culmination of all three of those empires uh, in, in, that kind of combine into the fourth empire. He possesses all the power and devastation of those previous empires and then some, and as well as all the territories, kingdoms of the world represented by the ten horns and seven heads. It all belongs to him. So the beast is showing an imagery, and what John is describing is an, is the imagery that this beast, this ruler that comes up out of the sea, he will have the power and devastation of all three of the previous empires, all wrapped up in one, and, and then some, so to speak. But he will not only that, but he will rule all the kingdoms of the world. This is meant uh, to show that this beast or ruler is more powerful than any other ruler the world has ever seen and will, and will rule over all the nations of the world and will crush any opposition. He will bring devastation unlike anything ever seen before. John says that the dragon or Satan gave the beast or Antichrist his power, you know, throne, and great authority. To be clear, the devil would never give up his power or his throne, which represents the seat of, of power, or rule or dominion 
You know, so what does John mean here? Well, you will see later that it is because the man playing the role of the Antichrist initially suffers a fatal wound and appears to be dead, but Satan will possess him and the man will appear to come back to life. But it will be because the devil and his power that now resides in the body of this man. That is how he lives and heals from this wound. Satan also uses this opportunity to mimic the resurrection of Christ and mislead the world into thinking that the dragon is like God and the beast or Antichrist is like Jesus. Satan is very good at using clever imagery to fool people into believing something that is false. This is why we must always seek discernment and stay in the word and listen carefully to the spirit. Now, moving on, verse 3 shows that one of the heads of on the beast, which we know represents the Antichrist, has a fatal wound on it. And, you know, and this fatal wound appears to be healed, which verifies what I was just saying about the Antichrist being fatally wounded and then healing from that wound due to the power of the devil that resides in inside of him. The people are, you know, amazed that this man seemed to rise from the dead and be healed. So they believe the lie and they follow him, worshiping, believing he has power from God, you know, ultimately claiming to be, you know, Christ on earth. So verse four says they worship the dragon because he gave power and authority to the beast and they, and, and they worship the beast saying who is like the beast who can wage war against it. This is a direct perversion of scripture as the devil mimics God and Jesus. Earlier in Revelation, we see worshiping, worship being given to God and then to Jesus because God gave him all power and authority under heaven. And scripture tells us, you know, many times, who is like our God? No one can stand against him. So if you know God's word, you can easily see the devil copying and perverting scripture. But the people will believe him and will follow him and worship him like he is Jesus or worship the dragon like, you know, Satan, like he's God. That only leaves one part of the Holy Trinity yet to be discussed and we and he will come next. So you will have to wait for that, you know, in the next episode. John goes on to say that for 42 months, the beast or Antichrist will uh, speak arrogantly and, and, and will speak many blasphemies. And that he will slander the name of God, his dwelling place, which we know is heaven, and those who, or the temple, and those who dwell in heaven. The Antichrist is given authority over every nation, tribe, and tongue, and will wage war against anyone who aligns with God and will overcome them. Verse 8, all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all those, uh, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. So everyone who is not a believer, uh, who is not a believer now, will worship the beast and the dragon, believing their lies, and will ultimately take the mark of the beast and seal their fate. But more on that later. Verse 9 through 10 is a call to the remaining believers to patiently endure and remain faithful to the end. God says, if you are taken captive, then you will be in captivity. And if you are to be killed, then you will be killed. He will not spare those believers from that, but he calls them to be patient and faithfully endure and resist the beast. It will be difficult in those days to resist worshiping or bowing down to the beast, as we will cover those details uh, later as well. 
you know, as far as what, you know, the beast does to make it so difficult. But God promises the crown of life as the victor's crown, and they will be rewarded greatly in heaven if they just stay strong and endure to the end, you know, even to the point of death. So, okay, guys, well, that's our brief introduction to the beast that comes out of the sea. We know he's the Antichrist, and we know he represents really the embodiment of Satan and his power in the man known as the Antichrist. It also signifies his official rise to, to power um, over the world. Before Satan empowers or possesses the Antichrist or that man that represents the Antichrist, he is not recognized as the beast. It is only after Satan indwells the man known as the Antichrist that he becomes the beast of the sea. Understanding that um, understanding that will also help with the timeline, which I will explain as we continue on with future episodes. Well, guys, aren't you grateful for the salvation that we have in Yeshua? Um, we will be spared from all this. It it also makes you realize we don't have it so bad at all and that God doesn't spare you from every trial or storm or suffering. Sometimes he asks you to patiently and faithfully endure and he will be with you through it all and will, will reward you for your faith. God, thank you so much for all that you do for us and thank you for your word and how it teaches us. God, we face difficulties and storms in our life, things that we just don't understand. And sometimes we go through things that cause us to suffer and the pain is intense. But you remind us that sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning and that we will be rewarded when we remain faithful and persevere through it all. So many times we just want you to take away the troubles or trials, but you don't. Instead, you say, give me your hand. I will walk through it with you. It is those times that we truly see your grace, mercy, and love. It is in those times that we learn to lean on you the most. It is in those moments that we learn what it means to be a child of the Most High. It is in those moments that we realize the strength we have in you, and we learn to praise you on the mountains and the valleys just the same. Amen.